You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. So hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I am delighted to be joined today by Mary Mickle, who is a family business expert, and she has um, agreed to talk to us about future-proofing your family business and what steps can be taken now to ensure that the business is future-proof. I'll let Mary introduce herself fully in a minute, Um, but we're often told that succession planning is one of the key challenges for family businesses, and there are a number of uh, different professions and experts you can go and see to talk through this, and I thought it would be very interesting to hear from Mary about her approach and how this might be useful for your business. So firstly, Mary, thank you very much for agreeing to come and uh, talk to us. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on today, Russell. No problem. And um, I guess if if we can start with an introduction, a bit of background uh, and your history, and we can go from there. Great. Um, I am a fourth generation owner of a Scottish construction family business that's now 92 years old based in Glasgow. Um, Being construction, uh, it was a very visible thing to me as a child. As I grew up, we have built residential new homes throughout the central belt of Scotland for for many, many years. I visited site. I went to the office. um, I had a background career in marketing communications, and I realized here was a brand I, I knew and loved and joined the business in 2001 as head of sales and marketing. I went on to be the communications director, And then in around 2011, due to a variety of reasons, but also just wanting to stretch myself elsewhere, I realized that it was time for me to move on. Um, I really had a very interesting conversation with Martin Stepek, who's well known in the field, um, about the importance of the family business sector, not only how it contributes to the economy of Scotland, but also how unique and complex it is. And therefore, what a great set of skills I had had being a leader in that sphere and and coming back, emerging back out from it Mm -hmm. and looking to see what was next. Um, I did some education as a non-exec, as a coach. I took my certificate of family business advising with the FFI. And then I took on my first paying family business client in 2012, Um, now working with six members of that family. Um, So the work I typically do is facilitation, consultancy, coaching, leadership education, ownership work. Um, I talk and publish in the space as well. But essentially, I'm a person of business. Mm -hmm. I love the space between family dynamics and business consultancy. And really many professionals can sit comfortably in one of those spaces, but to advise well across the whole system of the family, you really need to have a very rounded set of skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And as an aside, I also uh, have just handed over the chairmanship of our family foundation. I have a couple of non-exec roles and I sit as a faculty member on the Family Farm Institute as well in the States. Excellent. Um, I think that's something we'd we'd like to get a, a little bit more information on 
um, later on. Sure. Um, but but just going back to uh, your current role, um, uh, uh, the title of the, the podcast is obviously Future Proofing uh, the Family Business. Um, that's something that you uh, work on with businesses on a on a day to day basis. Um, in your experience, it, is there a, a single point to ensuring a business remains future proof or becomes future proof? It, is it a transition? How does that work? I think um, it's the same as any business. Um, it's about really future proofing is about setting out your intentions or your ambitions and then managing the alignment of those expectations against the micro and macro macro factors of your business and your environment. Mm -hmm. So really at its core, it's about being adaptable in all forms of capital, human, emotional, financial. But where family businesses are different, um, they have to consider succession from from four different angles, mm. um, leadership, ownership, wealth and legacy and values. And where do those overlap in the planning for them? Um, there's also lots of interesting uh, expectations around generational views of risk and reward that, that mean um, there's more sort of residual resistance in a family business that, that means that continuity could be could be further under threat. Mm. So those are the kind of things that you have to consider um, when you're looking long term at the continuity of, of a family business. Yeah, and I think that's one of the key words there is is continuity. And uh, in one of our previous um, podcast episodes, we, we talk about the the language we use around succession planning, where it, it should actually be termed sort of a business continuity plan rather yes. than a succession plan. Um, but the statistics don't um, paint a very good picture around the number of businesses that have a continuity or succession plan in place. Uh, and we often hear that it's at a pain point that these discussions are started. Is that true in your experience or, or do you find that businesses are being more proactive about it? Um, firstly, I think the statistics you're referring to, the sort of 33, 13-3 across the generations, I, I, you know, I don't like starting a conversation with families with that because I feel mm. like I'm setting them up <laughs> against a very unlikely backdrop. Mm. Um, so I think that um, to, when you're coming to succession planning, um, it's important to think, as you say, continuity is the key. And it's about understanding really what succession means to each of the family members, mm. because they can be talking about different things. People automatically jump to leadership. Oh, right. They're talking about his son coming in and taking over from him and him exiting. Mm -hmm. But actually, it can the ownership piece as businesses are professionalizing and modernizing through second, third, fourth generation. There are less roles for family within. And so actually, what are the expectations and responsibilities of being a shareholder of a family business uh, is something I'm spending a bit more time talking about now. So definitely mm. that's about business continuity as well. So I think the conversation is broadening out um, as are the understanding of the, the many issues. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it isn't something necessarily that is top of mind when you're running a business, is it? Because you've got a business to run. Um, and the day-to-days of, of running a business are no different in terms of a family business than 
a non-family business. It's just that there's a, the additional dynamic that comes into play when you're you're talking around things like succession and uh, business continuity. So it, it's difficult to have that too high up on the agenda, I guess. Um, we all, what, what does the expert say that you should spend four days working in your business yes. and one day working on? And yes. I, I still think that's a constant battle to, mm. to achieve that. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm constantly surprised how many family businesses who are well-known uh, brands um, in their second or third or generation or beyond not only don't have a succession plan, but don't have a strategic plan either. Mm. Yeah, that, that's something that uh, there's a survey, I think, um, by PwC recently that, that pointed that out, um, that there, there's a, a strategy gap um, uh, amongst family firms. So um, uh, how do businesses start to address that? Is it communication? As in all things, yes. Um, I think that the way to, to start that is to, to really try and work out what the um, how succession is understood um, by the family members and how it, trying to share your view of that. So, for example, leadership succession. If we've all know that visual, it's used frequently in family business of uh, athletes running around a track in a relay race and handing mm -hmm. over a baton yes. from one person to the next. And it's actually a very useful image because if you think about when the baton is being passed in terms of leadership succession there needs to be as much focus on what's next for the person letting go the departing generation mm -hmm. as there is in ensuring the incoming baton holder value or skill is understood and supported to grow whether yeah. that's next generation or other non-family management and finally, within that image, it's also you've got to think about the environmental factors. You know, have they got the right shoes on? How are their spikes? Mm -hmm. Is it raining? You know, the, there's sort of you've almost got to get proper support to deliver some great onboarding, a great successful passing of the baton. Mm. So it's a it's a big piece that can only start with the conversation. Yeah. And so how would you define a if there is such a thing as a successful succession plan when does it start and and what does it involve um i'll answer your first question i think a successful succession plan is something that has multiple generations energetically offering each other mutual support intergenerationally to deliver their collective ambitions so it's it that sounds like a massive group hug and that's essentially <laughs> what it is um, how do we get to that point um, I would think a theme that I find that links these discussions together, the glue, is the legacy and values succession piece. So starting from the view of what would the founder have wanted? Is that still useful in today's business? Mm -hmm. it's, that kind of conversation is a great way to almost repurpose the family business strategic planning. And it takes us away from conflict, mm -hmm. stuff like why has my brother got more shares than me? Because it actually becomes a bigger piece about your shared collective family vision mm -hmm. and how you can set that stall out for the future and then build leadership and ownership and wealth pieces into that. So I call the legacy and values piece the glue in the successful succession plan. Okay. Uh, and your role as a family business advisor places you in um, kind of a unique position to, to have a view of all of that, doesn't it? I hope so. Um, 
Yes, I think it's the, do you mean from my own experience? Yeah, so so your ability to, to look at it from um, a, an objective point of view with other people's families, but, but also drawing on your own experience with, with your own family business. Yeah, I mean, I can entirely empathise and I get it. I get the under the complexities. But my role really is is not to tell people what to do. It's to hold up a mirror. I always think that my clients and, and all their many guises have the resourcefulness for change inside them. Mm-hmm. And my job is to merely bring that out and allow it to sit with them in order to support them to change. Um, and that's the way that change in a family business, I feel, is sustainable. Okay, and you mentioned when you you gave your uh, introduction that that you use systems thinking in in the work that you do. Uh, For for members of the um, audience who may not have heard what that is or be aware of what that is, could you give a a background on that? Sure. Um, I'm quite a visual person, so doing it on a podcast, I'd I'd, I'd recommend (laughs) pick up a a pen, draw three circles that overlap in the middle – one is called family, one is called business, one is called ownership. Imagine being in the middle of that circle, so you're a family member, you own shares, uh, and you work within the business. You're the CEO. Off to the side, you have your mum and dad who own shares telling you what they expect you and the business to deliver to fund their retirement. And meanwhile, in another part of that system, in another circle, your brother who's perhaps been a bit incompetent has made a mistake and it's caused your CEO to leave being in the middle of that system can be a very lonely place Mm. and so essentially when you came from a systems view you understand that a family business should be treated systemically you can't develop a plan to tackle the challenges inside one circle without affecting the other Mm -hmm. and so on any level that you intervene um, you have to intervene with a view to that that you get right under the skin of each of those three circles to find out the real problem beneath the presenting one. Mm. Sometimes in family business, you can find that the patterns of childhood are still playing out in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so how my job is to, to help a family see that, uh, stop, solve that, and start stop facing inwards, kind of bickering while their market might move on, mm-hmm. um, you know. So that's 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 the that's hopefully a, a visual way to represent what systems thinking is. Yeah, and I'm guessing that can be a, a bit of a light bulb moment for for some when when they hear it explained in that way, they can kind of understand why they might be feeling the way they're feeling a little, little easier. I think everyone feels some sense of relief in their diagnosis and to know there's a theory or a set of theories and that they're not alone. Um, very much so. So I like to bring people together to talk about their experiences um, as much as they can, because there's so much to learn peer to peer in the family business market. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that's hopefully what, what we're trying to do with uh, with these podcasts as well, is to try and um, spread the, uh, the, the um, message far and wide, uh, or as, or as far and wide as we can. Um, the, uh, and again, do you... you um, we talk about quite often around uh, governance structures, and you mentioned businesses um, professionalising them, themselves. Do, do you think that helps or hinders in terms of uh, successional business continuity? 
I think anything that allows family dynamics to breathe but creates boundaries to manage the complexity of those um, and, and is useful. And so professionalising in that regard where sort of family grievances are not just aired in board meetings and they're mm-hmm. given their own forum um, is, is, a, is a winner. Um, forums to discuss ownership, engaging with shareholders, giving voice to those who will never work in the business. So often I help families um, use governance to establish family councils, shareholder forums, um, to sort of spend time maybe thinking about philanthropy, um, a family foundation, a family office, ways in which they can come together collectively um, but not necessarily in the commercial part of the business uh, and use governance to create other forums to, to allow that to happen. Mm. And, and it's interesting because the, the philanthropy um, side of things, you, you mentioned in the intro that you're, you've just passed on the role of um, chairperson within your own family foundation. Um, it, it's slightly aside from the sort of future proofing, but, but I guess it's linked in a certain um, way. Uh, how was the decision made to, to start a family foundation in the first place? Was that something you were involved in or, or something that was just there when you joined the business? Well, it was it was established in, in 1970. I'm happy to say I was not quite yet born then. <laughs> um, but my grandfather, he had seen homeless people on the streets of Edinburgh and felt as a building business, we had an obligation to them. And I think in those days, he simply wrote a cheque, gave it to my dad and said, sort it out. Right. I'm glad to say now it's a bit more formal than that Um, and we have sort of redone our purpose as the next generation of shareholders came on board as our trustees. Um, So we use it for, for, for giving philanthropically throughout the UK, particularly in Scotland, still with a strong bent towards homelessness. But it's also a way to to engage with the wider shareholders of our family business. Um, And indeed, I passed over chairmanship because my father, who's just retired as chair of the main board um, of the family business, uh, I thought it would be a very useful role for him to do in his retirement. So I've entirely socially engineered that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and he's put now his own dimension on, on that. So it's, it's, uh, I think philanthropy is a piece that I hope to see more of featuring within family business continuity uh-huh. discussions. And I guess that's a way as well of um, family members who are, are passing the business on to, to retain a sense of purpose beyond the business. If, if there's a family foundation that's doing good work and uh, keeps them involved in things, it, it's a way of smoothing the transition um, away from the business. I absolutely agree. And it allows the conversation for exiting um, older generations to focus on moving on rather mm. than out. Because yes. I think that that's the, the psychology of that transition is is massive. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest areas for anyone working in this field is the, the psychology of moving owners into action through exiting transition. It's, it's, it's widely talked about um, and widely misunderstood. So I think, yes, yes that, that's, that's uh, and I think my mum's delighted that my dad isn't <laughs> you know, still sitting at home twiddling his thumbs and getting yes. onto her feet. <laughs> And that really sort of points um, as well that there's an awful lot of work that goes on within the field in terms of preparing the next generation for uh, business continuity. 
but it is quite often overlooked the uh, sort of psychological impact of being the sort of head of the family and head of the family business to to becoming a in inverted commas retired person that the impact of that on somebody can be um can be huge and a fairly daunting prospect um again is that something that you come across you mean for the exiting for, for the exiting older generation? yeah absolutely yeah so, absolutely and especially if the um have been incredibly busy all their lives in the business and they've never thought about what might be next and, mm. and moving on and the, the way they define themselves is entirely through the business and their names above the door um, and they worry about what will happen to them if they, if they leave, what will they do next that could be nearly as useful as what they've already achieved. Yeah. Um, and if the business has moved on a lot and modernized and gone into new markets and perhaps there's a, a lack of being able to keep up with that pace. So, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really big piece. And really, the earlier you start planning for that, the easier that, that becomes. Mm. And I guess it's the, the old adage of um, in terms of the ideal time to start was probably 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> the next best time is, is now. Um, but again, it can be quite tricky for people to um, talk, although it's your family. It, you're often talking about sort of hopes and fears rather than sort of strategic stuff when it comes to business continuity. Um, and, and I'm guessing, again, that's where using somebody as an objective third party helps uh, especially if they're experienced in that field um, and you mentioned your qualification with the um, FFI uh, am I right in thinking that that qualification it garners you with some of the skills needed to provide that service yeah I mean the FFI is um, you know it's a global network of, of thought leaders in the field of, of family business and they, there's a lot of relevant tools that they teach you through their courses to to apply interventions but actually you have to have that mindset as well that you understand it's you don't just bring a delivery mechanism and, and get people to sign in the dotted line for a family business yeah. constitution you know <laughs> it's a it's a case of stepping back and really understanding um, um, what, what's required and, and what the what the real issues are, mm. and that requires that requires a good uh, basis in in what I suppose people call the softer skills, which I always makes me laugh in a way because actually they're the harder skills, uh -huh. um, and that's stuff that I work with with next generation, often older generation don't want to learn these skills, they just uh -huh. say it's too late, and I don't even use the word coaching with them often, I just call it a conversation. Um, <laughs> But some of those softer skills, um, you know, developing those, how can a next generation develop those to have a better experience? Uh, so asking challenging questions, you know, how do they understand the, the, the business assumptions made through a set of business accounts? Uh, how do they handle conflict and interact with people they're related to um, in a business context? How do they build self-awareness as part of their journey to leadership positions so those are the sort of education programs I develop as well for onboarding leaders um, it's very easy to focus on the IQ stuff like technology and finance yeah. and HR and they are very important 
but in isolation, um, without a development of EQ skills of how to apply those, they're, they're, they might as well be useless. Yeah, I think you've hit on a very important point there that, as you mentioned, softer skills um, probably doesn't do that, that side of it um, justice in terms of its its title because it is, the, the emotional intelligence side of things is, is far harder than, um, you know, learning how a set of accounts are put together. Um, and... Uh, uh, again, I might be wrong in, in this assumption, but I think it's more accepted now that um, next generation coming through are, are open to um, improving on their emotional intelligence rather than feeling, you know, I'm in a role, therefore I, I, I know everything and I don't need to learn any new um, softer skills. Uh, and the benefits of doing so are, are quite telling. Yeah, I think I call it... Um confident vulnerability so it's that idea that um the i think the younger generation are happier to say i don't know that can you help me uh -huh. um whereas i th and this is a massive generalization but i think typically often the older generation that would be an admittance of weakness and they're not that comfortable mm. with that so often i have to show where i am vulnerable about the experiences maybe i had in my family business and, and exiting, which was painful. Um, and that allows other people to think, oh, this is a safe environment. I can talk a little bit about what I need mm. to develop because of the experiences I've had today. So, yeah, that's, that's a really important piece. Mm. And you mentioned about leaving your um, family business. I know, that, again, it's slightly off um, subject, but, but are you happy to talk around your sort of d decision making process there? Because we've spoken to other um, podcast guests who have been through a similar transition and uh, with varying degrees of difficulty in making that decision um, due to sort of weights of expectation on their shoulders or the fact that perhaps um, the the departing generation don't actually want to um, impose the family business on the next generation. Um, uh, if you're happy to talk about it, how, how did you come to your decision on uh, m moving on from the business? Um, well, construction, as, as the rest of the world did, went through a really painful time in 2009 when we went off a fiscal cliff because of the the recession and, and typically housing goes off first. Mm -hmm. um, and at that stage, I was the communications director on, on our main board. I just had my second child and um, I realised that my executive role had pretty much evaporated overnight because much of what I was doing was externally facing communications and we just had to strip down to bare minimum activity um, as a business to to steady the ship and make redundancies it was a really really difficult time mm. and so with with my executive role drying up I took on a couple of non-exec positions elsewhere to keep myself current and actually I realized that I was bringing that non-exec mindset into my own family business boardroom now that's a difficult journey to make mm. when you're in your 60s let alone in your 30s as I was then um, so I'm no doubt I ruffled a few feathers, but I I also just felt that um, actually still getting referred to on site as the the boss's daughter, you know, right. twelve years in, yeah, I, I just felt you know what there's time for me to apply my skills that I have elsewhere. Um, I was also getting divorced from my first husband, and there was uh, I just thought you know I need to throw everything I know up into the air mm. and see where it lands. 
and uh, it was the best decision I've ever made. And I, yeah. I still now I'm helping my family with our Generation Five education program. Um, so there's, yeah, I think it's a healthy relationship, and I'm probably the most um, disruptive shareholder in no. our forums. <laughs> I, I know the business so well. Yeah. Um, so it's a great, yeah. That's that's, and I think you find that a lot. I have a group of women I call daughters in charge who are are well known um, people family businesses perhaps our names are all above the door and we mm -hmm. we all decided it was time to go on and do something else and we support each other in that transition Fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a growing a gradually growing group yeah and it doesn't have to be black and white does it it doesn't have to be i've left the family business therefore i have nothing to do with it um it it's um there's a happy compromise in there especially if you're a shareholder mm. you know and also if you think of it systemically I'm not step. I'm only stepping out of one circle. I'm not stepping out of ownership, and I'm yeah. certainly not stepping out of the family. Yeah. So, what what does what does severing that cord actually look like? <laughs> mm, yes, yeah, very much so. Um, well, th thank you for sharing that um, story. I just th I think um, very often family businesses can feel alone, um, and yeah. just by sharing uh, experiences, it it goes to show that. Um, while the names and faces may be different, some of the experiences um, can, can be uh, relatable, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, thank you. And I would say if there's anyone who's listening to this podcast who wants to, to know more, to obviously connect with, with you or me, but also the FFI, the Family Firm Institute Conference, is coming to London next year in October. Fantastic. 2018 and it's it i would urge anyone to to attend that a family business or anyone wanting to make the transition to advisor um to attend that it's it's an excellent conference over three days in late october great sounds very good and we'll put a link in the show notes um to the um to the ffi's site um, and they've also got a as I think it's a separate site. It may be linked to the main site, which is the FFI practitioner site as well, which has some very interesting articles and, and publications on um, various theories around um, family business as well. If uh, if you're interested in those, that's, that's a good place to, to have a look. Um, and in terms of your own work, where, where can people find out more about you? Um, well, they can search me online. My uh, business name is Mary Mickles Business Families, but the web address is just businessfamilies.co.uk. Um, and I'm very happy to sit down, have a coffee with people, do a Skype, come and speak at their family event or their conference. I think that the more people, it's an emerging field, mm. and the more people that know about the opportunities and challenges of, of family business, the better. So I, yeah. I welcome any conversation on that topic. Excellent. And thank you very much for sharing your uh, experience and insights um, today. They've been uh, really useful for, for me uh, and I'm sure for our audience as well. So uh, thank you for joining us and uh, we'll hope to speak soon. Thank you, Russell. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes if you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.